All right, it's party time. Welcome to a Tuesday episode of the Chad Prather Show. As you know, Tuesday is what? Monday's hangover. That's right. But today's going to be a good show. And uh, the Puppet Master Mark and Let's Love Brandon at the helm driving us into the nether regions of all things insanity. And when you think back to um, you think back to the insanity, which was the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan on the part of the Biden administration, um, I can't. I still look back on that. Can't believe things went the way they went. And as we talk numerous times on this show about the people who were left behind, people with um, you know top security clearance, uh, there were allies, there were. Uh, citizens, it, it's amazing what happened. And of course, you kept up with what uh, Glenn Beck's efforts were through Mercury One and their efforts to get people out of Afghanistan. And at the time, of course, we were telling you about our buddy Chad Robichaud, who is in the hot seat today. Man, it's been too long. Where you been? been? Where you been? <laughs> been down the street from you. We live, we're neighbors. <laughs> we're, we're neighbors now. Yeah, you got to come all the way to Dallas. And I, you, you, you said to me. What was it the other day? You texted me and said, we got to get together. I said, you've been in Poland. I mean, (laughs) stop over there. 10 trips to Ukraine since February. That's insane, man. That's insane. And and that or you're jumping out of an airplane somewhere. (laughs) How many times have you jumped out of an airplane now? Do you know? Uh, Just at 600. Just right 600? 600. Yeah, right about 600. That's like rookie numbers. It is. I got a guy that works for me that has 11,000 jumps dude i met a guy that had ten thousand. Yeah. he was he both yeah. out of a plane and base jumping and yeah. i was like hey yeah i mean the law that's weeks weeks of free fall eventually. yeah weeks of free fall oh it's <laughs> insane yeah. well it's good to see you man um you would think we'd ride down the street and say hi to each other you got the book that came out uh today um it is called saving aziz this is your story um mm-hmm. see if we can get it in the good light there um, how the mission to help one Amer- one became a calling to rescue thousands from the Taliban. You, with, with this, with this was happening, you and I talked, and you were telling me this story, and I was kind of in shock of, yeah. of what was happening. Walk me through the initial moments when you saw what was happening in Afghanistan with withdrawal, and like when you suddenly realized, uh oh, we got a problem here. It was early on. I think uh, I think my original concern was, you know, when President Trump was in office, when he started talking to the Taliban, you know, you know, I've supported President Trump with a lot of things, but I didn't support him talking to the Taliban yeah. on that, uh, especially when we've, we've worked 20 years to put Afghan government in place and we are in an international coalition with our partners around the world. Why are we talking with the Taliban? And I don't believe President Trump would have left Bagram Air Force Base or t- or which was my Air Force Base, though. But when President Biden initially took office within two days, he's talking about actually full withdrawal. And uh, that really concerned me uh, for several reasons. Uh, one is there this Doha agreement, which is an agreement with the Taliban that they will not allow terrorism in Afghanistan. There are ter- they are terrorists. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I knew that was a, a bad negotiating deal, another bad uh, deal from our government. And, 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 uh, and secondly, uh, we've been, the American public has really been misled by Washington, D.C., and mainly by the mainstream media to believe this lie that we were in a 20-year war in Afghanistan. It was an endless war, and we had to get out sometime. Only President Biden did it badly. The truth is, we didn't have to get out of Afghanistan. And, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you why, because we were not at war in, in Afghanistan anymore with the Taliban. In 2018, we had switched from uh, conventional kinetic war fighting with the Taliban to doing support and advisory role to the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police. An entire international community were participating, and it was actually working. And we were doing it at the most strategic place on the globe, which is Bagram Air Force Base that sits between Iraq, Iran, Russia, and China. Mm-hmm. So to give that up 
not only uh, creates a terrorist safe haven, but it makes the national security of the United States against terrorism uh, more fragile, and it also uh, makes the world a more dangerous place. And so seeing that happen, uh, I was like, man, this is going to be terrible uh, for the world, uh, not only America, but for the world. And it also is going to be really bad for my friend, Aziz. Uh, I did eight deployments with Aziz uh, and uh, JSOC. You know, I was a I was force recon marine with uh, JSOC Joint Special Operations Command Task Force, and uh, my job as AFO I've talked about in your show before was working in a singleton capacity. I worked by myself with Aziz as my interpreter, and the two of us went around the mountains of Afghanistan and, and into Pakistan, and, and our job was to go and build the clandestine infrastructure to put our salters on target to capture, kill bad guys. And just the nature of our being alone together like that for all those operations, uh, we got close. I mean, uh, he became my, not just over eight deployments, not just my teammate, but my, my friend. And, uh, he saved my life multiple times. Um, I was there when his, his daughter, my, my, my was born and my his son was born. I held his kids, ate dinner with his family. Like I didn't go back to base and he went home. I went to his home. So, He's my friend, and uh, and I couldn't bear the thought of my friend staying there during this draw, withdrawal and being killed because of what he did for me and what he did for America. And by the way, uh, we had did six years of working on his special immigrant visa to try to get him out of Afghanistan, which is a totally broken system. Like you said earlier, this guy had uh, access to top secret information, yeah. polygraphed, uh, vetted, and uh, and. 15 years with the highest level of special operations in in six years, the process but contractually is only supposed to be nine months. And uh, I know people, you know, friends in Congress and Senate, we could not pull those strings to get him his visa done. So I knew I had to go and, uh, and get my friend. So you're a force recon Marine, eight deployments, as you say. You have a vested interest in this. This is your friend. This is your brother. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who has uh, top security clearance by the American government. He's a patriot. He's a patriot. He's a patriot, and he's left behind. He immediately has a target on his back. His family has a target on their back. You know that the Taliban's going to come for them. I mean, they're they're specifically him. Uh, I talk about in the book. We had a guy we used to work with called his name was Bashir. He flipped on us to the Taliban, like CIA trained guy. Uh, there's reasons. It's, uh, you can read about it in the book. So go get the book. But uh, yeah. but um, Bashir had several of teammates killed. He drove a vehicle. He, he personally, he had a vehicle bomb drove driven into my house to try to kill me and my friends. Was after Aziz had me abducted by a foreign intelligence agency. Uh, I won't say which one, but but had me uh, and and all those things happen uh, to us. Bashir, we caught him. Our, our unit caught him. He was arrested, put in jail, and during the Obama administration, he was released. But big mm. release that they had with a lot of guys. And so he makes it back to Kabul, and 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 as early as April of 2021, before the withdrawal, we knew he was looking for Aziz. He had already killed someone else, and so Aziz was on the run, and we were help moving him to safe houses even way before the withdrawal happened. So this was very specific. Like it wasn't like oh he's gonna be in trouble for helping us. Like they're hunting him specifically for yeah. what he did for us. So what did you do? I, I did what any of us would do: get get a bunch of friends together and say, "Let's go, let's go, uh, let's go I do mean, something." This is like the ultimate posse. It, it, like you, you, because yeah. you called me and you said, "Man, I, I snapped a groin deal, like a tendon or a muscle or something yeah. like that." You were snapped, you're snapped doing, my groin muscle off the bone you, like three days before we left. And the, the doctor's like, "You got to have surgery," and you're like, "No, I'm about to get on the airplane." Yeah, I could not go for. A, yeah, I mean, and you were like, and you're like, "I'm going." He's like, "It's going to be a painful trip." Yeah. And you went. You get your guys together. You, you, I mean, how'd you fund that? I mean, I know I don't want to give away anything yeah. from the book, so just no, no. I mean, we could talk about it. I mean, um, so 
I'll I'll say this. We put the I put together guys. I put twelve guys together that have extremely uh, high level of experience in special operations. I was looking for guys with ASO and AFO level training, which means they worked independently before. I was looking for guys that had uh, that had uh, combat experience and had already done the fighting. Yeah. They were mature guys that wouldn't be looking to go out there and get in a fight with the Taliban because last thing I wanted to do is go try to help these people that can't help themselves. When you we don't got need there. an international incident yeah. and put a bigger target on their back. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted mature guys. So uh, I found a couple of guys that I, that I knew well, uh, and, uh, for, and I looked at different people with different connections, people with different abilities. Uh, one of them was Tim Kennedy. You, got, you know who Tim Kennedy is. A lot of people you know, gave me slack for bringing Tim Kennedy, but I need to raise money too. Yeah. And Tim's also you know, a public figure. And he, had, he has ASL, ASL Level 3 training, Scott, uh, Sniper, Green Beret. Uh, and I've been knowing him for 14 years, so I trust him. And uh, so we, uh, we got him. I got uh, a guy named Dan Stinson, who I was in Afghanistan with, First Recon Marine, Joe Roberts, uh, a guy named Seaspray, uh, Sean G. I mean, it's got, some of the guys that had... CIA uh, ground branch, which is paramilitary units, high level experience. And so we all, I think all of us together collectively felt a burden. I think all of us were pretty strong believers in our faith and uh, uh, Christians. We all like felt this burden in our heart to do the right thing when our governments of the world wouldn't include in our own government and just go and, and, and help these people that couldn't help themselves. But as we're planning this out, uh, one of the guys points out like, hey, It'd be good to go get Aziz, but there's these 3,500 orphans over here. And so yeah. this, decision, this decision made that, hey, let's take this experience, this willingness, and go help as many people as we can. Americans, interpreters, women, children, um, uh, Christians that be persecuted. And, and I believe the one thing, we got a lot of credit. Uh, Glenn Beck gave me that, that Bonhoeffer Achievement Award. Congress has recognized right. us. But the only thing I really take credit for is uh, the fact that we were just obedient to that burden on our heart to go help. Yeah. Because after that... Uh, what I witnessed was a, just a miracle, uh, a divine miracle, because I'm not capable of doing yeah. what was accomplished. And none of our team members are. It was miraculous. I mean, we saw in three days, the Joint Chiefs allowed us, the civilians, to go on HKI Airport to evacuate civilians. Anybody who knows anything about the military knows that's impossible. It's a DOD-controlled airport. People, those people were giving us criticism, saying, you guys are going in the way, getting away in the military? You think I have the ability to go land a C-17 plan <laughs> on a DOD-controlled area and evacuate people? And we had to have some coordination permissions. Yeah. In addition to that, we called the UAE, uh, the royal family, and said, hey, now we have all these people that we're going to be bringing out, these interpreters that are in the process, they have papers, we were getting vetted people, and, uh, but we need a place to bring them. And uh, we need, a, we need if, but if you bring people without a visa somewhere to another country and you don't have a place to bring them like humanitarian center, that's human trafficking, you yeah. can only do that in Laredo, Texas. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, in the so real true. world, in so the real true. world, you have to have rules. So yeah. they, they said, bring them, we'll set up the humanitarian center, we'll give you doctors and care for them and food and, and even build playgrounds for the kids. It was amazing. They rolled out wow. the red carpet. In addition to that, they said, we'll give you a C-17 plane and pilots and then the next day glenn beck calls me and he says i got into radio to raise money i thought i raised a couple of thousand dollars and i raised millions because uh, the mercury one uh supporters and the blaze audience you guys are amazing and just trusted glenn and gave all that money and glenn's like let's do something and i said i know exactly what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna start uh uh paying for planes to charter planes and yeah. rudy atala if you know rudy yep. amazing dude partnered with Rudy's us awesome. and, and we all got together and we just watched this miracle unfold as God orchestrated these amazing pieces to just happen in a way that 
ultimately yeah. we rescued 17,000 people. And, uh, you know, and, I know and you read this, you, you sent me an advanced manuscript, you emailed it to me yeah. and, and I was reading through it. I was like, this is like a divinely inspired Tom Clancy book, except it's not fiction. Right. This it's really real, happened. Real life, yeah. and, and just the volume of lives that were rescued through mm-hmm. these efforts of just, yeah, you've got experience. Yeah. You've seen some things, you've done a lot of things in life, but, but just guys who are willing to obey the burden. I mean, that last, do it. that last operation in, in, in the Bible says in uh you know Second Corinthians uh uh I think eleven uh, thirty if you boast if I boast I boast of a weakness yeah. so if I'm boasting right now it sounds like I'm bragging I, I'm bragging on God because uh sure. because I'm telling you like uh I, I'm 46 years old I hadn't done this in a long time but I busted groin uh, <laughs> uh a lot Needing of surgery <laughs> there was a lot of gray hair in in in, in, yeah. in our team uh but we were just willing to do it and and and, uh, and like the last operation. We went into Tajikistan, myself and Staff Sergeant Dennis Price, who's a Force Recon Marine and Scout Sniper, amazing dude. We went into Tajikistan, and uh, the people were stuck in this area called the Panjir Valley. Thousands of people trying to cross into Tajikistan. The mountains like 25,000-foot peaks. The Panjir River's ice melt water. It's like Category 5 rapids. Uh, it takes like it would take like a week to get through that valley, and then if you got through there, you might run into a cliff or the rapids, and and then you had the Chinese military, the Russian military, the Tajikistan border guard, and the Taliban just infested this area. Mm-hmm. So they needed someone to go on the other side and provide routes out, uh, and so we went into Tajikistan, two of us. Went about 12 hours through the mountains and spent 10 days on that border and did about 90 miles of border reconnaissance and built six routes out. But And every night we'd swim across that river, literally like 30 yards from the Taliban at times. And, uh, and uh, you know, just seeing, you know, Dennis out there uh, and, and seeing his willingness to go out there, wife and four ki- little kids at home, sea spray during the week at the airport, lost 37 pounds in 10 days because he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't sleep. He, you sleep, you're gonna, somebody's going to die. Wow. Like, uh, you know, Tim Kennedy going out there, he's a wealthy, successful dude. He didn't have to be out there. We, we didn't pay him to be out there. He volunteered. Right. I mean, Sarah Verardo and, and, and Dan Stinson, all these guys just going out there. And Aziz, once we got Aziz out, he went back out to go help someone else. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, so everyone just willing to just step up and do the right thing. And, and, uh, and a lot of people have asked us, you know, why we'd, Obviously, why I got disease is, is easy question, but why do we keep going? Like, why do we keep helping? And yeah. and, I, and I think it's important to understand that um, when the governments of the world don't do the right thing, yeah. good people do. Uh, because I think so often right now, everybody's so frustrated because we depend on our government so much. And it's a good lesson to learn that, that we what we did, I've been around the government a long time. I could not have done this. Yeah. The, with the with the efficiency and speed that we were able to do it, if we would have been hamstrung by the government, and the government couldn't do it, and uh, and, and and so we were able to, I think, cast hope that people will stand up and do the right thing. People that don't even agree with me personally, people that were on my Instagram because they hate me, yeah. and they said I don't like you, but uh, but I, I believe in what you're doing. Where can I donate? Yeah, uh, we had a Jewish organizations tried to make a donation to Mighty Oaks Foundation, which you know is a Christian charity, sure. and they were donating $1.5 million for flights, and they said, to hey, save we Muslims. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, that was, the, that was the thing. They were like, hey, we can't make the donation. And I'm like, why? Did they give you a routing number wrong? And they said, no, you're a Christian organization. We're Jewish. And I was yeah. like, you, you do realize we're rescuing Muslims, right? And they were like, they kind of laughed and they made the donation. <laughs> and it was just, it was amazing to see everyone come together to Incredible. just simply do the right thing. Incredible. And, uh, you know, it's- The book is out. Uh, you can get it, of course, the hard hardback, and you can get it where books are offered, and you can also get the audio 
uh, audio book. I encourage you to get it. And, you know, I, and I know this, we're out of time. We've got to go to a break. But, uh, Chad, I know that the the mainstream is going to fight you on this. It's going to be hard mm-hmm. to, you know, they're not going to want to put you on a bestseller list, but mm-hmm. we're it's going to be on a bestseller list. Yeah. I mean, this is going to, it's going to the top. This is going to be the best-selling book. And uh, I'm excited about this book, and I'm excited to tell everybody to go out there and get it and, uh, and, and grab this thing. It's published by Thomas Nelson, and I think they did a fantastic job. You did a fantastic job, and all the guys did a fantastic job. And, and if uh, you read the endorsements on the first couple of pages, the most important part of the book is mine. Yeah, I, it says Chad Prather right yep, there. It does. <laughs> yeah, your endorsement. So, got Glenn, Glenn did the Ford. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we, it was incredibly endorsed. What, so. what is it, what is the one stop shop website for uh, everybody to get there? Savingaziz.org. Savingaziz.org. All right, Chad Robichaud. And while you're out there, get his book, uh, an, an Unfair Advantage. That'll tell you why he is the way he is. Okay, I love you, buddy. Love and you. Uh, let's see, we got to go to a break. But before that, are you tired of feeling like your personal data is at risk? Are you worried that big tech is watching every move you make? If you don't want anybody else knowing where you've been or who you've met and what you're thinking, Start Mail is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy and giving you peace of mind. Start Mail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, it's gone forever. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep your real identity hidden online. And with just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of Start Mail's enhanced privacy protection. Pretty cool deal. Sign up today. Save 50% on your first subscription year. There's never been a better time to go to startmail.com slash chad. Join the thousands of people who have been chosen, uh, who have chosen Startmail for their email security needs. That's Startmail. That's with a T. Startmail.com slash chad. Get your 50% off. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, I want to welcome back to the show my buddy Brian McClanahan. He's a historian, and uh, I was just telling you last week, I'm always recommending Brian's books to you guys, and if y'all are paying attention, then you're ordering them. And uh, one of the ones I just finished was How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. That's an amazing book. And uh, I love I love the way Brian's perspective is um, in terms of telling the truth uh, without – Without candy coating, who some people there were some, there were some people in history that have kind of gotten a gotten a clean bill of health when they weren't so healthy, if that makes sense to you. They weren't always the best characters, and and some nefarious folks that we've kind of put a hero status on, and they weren't they weren't necessarily heroes. So uh, he's also the president of the Abbeville Institute, and we'll talk some more about that. But uh, Brian McClanahan, how are you, buddy? How's everything going? And I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to be back on your show. Yeah, man. I I um, I I've been reading. I'm I'm inundated with Brian McClanahan right now because I after you were on the last time, I jumped on and ordered ordered a ton of books and I've just been reading, reading, reading and uh, enjoying the heck out of all of it. And I've been encouraging everybody to get a hold of your books and then do that at brianmcclanahan.com. That's Brian with an O, B R I O N, brianmcclanahan.com. Uh, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm reading this stuff and I'm going. What what does a what does a typical day for Brian McClanahan look like? I, I, that's a serious question. I want you to tell me what your day entails because I think I think we all need to be a little more critical in our thinking and the way we research and the way we study and the way we approach communicating what we're finding. What what's that look like in your world? Well, that's a big question. Um, generally, I'm up really early in the morning and doing my own show, <laughs> which yeah. is just me. I don't have guests, so. 
but I get up in the morning and do that, and I, I research for those things like crazy. You know, what do I want to talk about? And I always try to have a historic slant on something. And generally, it comes from a position of what can I do to offer a narrative that would be beneficial for my audience that would go. And, and I used to talk about, you know, the founding perspective. Um, and uh, so I have to do a lot of research in that. I look at a lot of primary documents. Uh, I read a lot of, you know, what the founding generation said about the Constitution, for example, um, what they thought the general government should do, what it shouldn't do, um, or it's, you know, uh, second on presidential history or, um, you know, American culture, things like that. So, um, and then of course I've got my day job and uh, I go to that and then, uh, you know, come back and do a little more, uh, do a little more research. So I spent a lot of time reading, uh, just because I, I need to stay up on things. Well, I mean, you're certainly prolific well, I, in, in certain terms of the, uh, the body of work that you're producing. I mean, you've got, you've got the Brian McClanahan show and then you've got, which is available where podcasts are offered and and the books and and i always you know i try to tell our audience you find those people that you can utilize and and ride on their shoulders a little bit because they've done the hard work and kind of let them disciple your mind and so i i highly encourage folks do that with brian's work um you watched last week i was there for every i mean i was up for every minute of it the um the vote to to make kevin mccarthy <laughs> the speaker of the house and the fiasco that ensued around that of course they had the freedom caucus those 20 republican uh you know congressmen and women who were just kind of holding out and a lot of people were like oh they need to fall in line they need to they need to you know tow the party line and they just absolutely weren't doing it i was up until i don't know almost two o'clock in the morning the night they did that 15th uh roll call and vote and uh the whole thing that ensued it was a historical moment just for how it went down but a lot of people, I think they looked at that and they say, see, the Republican Party's in shambles, America's in shambles, everybody in D.C.'s in shambles, they don't know what they're doing, they're at each other's throats. But historically, I don't think that's real far off from the way it has been and the way even it should be. What, what's your take on that whole deal? Absolutely. I watched every minute of it, too, and I loved it. I thought it was, of course, it's great theater, but <laughs> this, this group of 20 were actually doing what they're supposed to do. You know, it's only been in the last hundred years or so that we've gotten these parties that are so dominant that you can't deviate from the party line. And uh, you go back in the 19th century and there are very contentious speaker votes and Congress actually had real debates. You know, they would talk about the constitutionality of a bill, whether it was a good bill or a bad bill based on their understanding of the Constitution. You had some pretty contentious debates, of course, just before the war. Uh, there was, you know, one instance where we had 133 votes for speaker. I thought that was great. We could have gone for 365 <laughs> votes for all I care. You know, every day we could have had a vote, and uh, that would have been great. Never have Congress sworn in; it would have been better. Yeah. But, um, you know, the Republican Party uh, should have dissent, and the Democrats should do the same thing too. It's just the Democrats are a little better at party politics than the Republicans. But I, I applauded those 20 Republicans, and I thought that they were doing the best work they could do in trying to ensure. That what we had for the Republican messaging was on point with the constituents. I mean, you know, you've got so many times the Republican Party goes and they gain power and they don't do anything. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, we had that during the Trump administration, right? The Republicans controlled the Congress for two years and they did nothing. Right. So it's good to see some Republicans really putting pressure on the leadership there to get a real agenda through. And um, 
again, I, I thought that, uh, you know, Matt Gates offering Donald Trump is one of the funniest things ever <laughs> because, uh, you know, can you imagine Trump as Speaker of the House? It would have been a beautiful from from a historical standpoint. It would have been really beautiful to see. But um, I don't know. It, it was uh, those those people were doing what they should have done. And uh, I wish we saw more debate in the House. I, I was in constant communication with certain ones like Lauren Boebert and, and uh, Chip Roy and just say, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And I was so glad that they did. And I think we're going to see some good things. And we're already seeing good things come out of what they did. So. You know, this administration, when I, you know, the Biden administration, uh, you know, I, you look at this like I, I've, I've wondered with all of this classified documents and stuff like this. Do you think do you think Congress, particularly Republicans in Congress, do they need to waste their time? And would it be a waste of time if they pursued impeachment on that? Because I have a strong opinion. I, I think they ought to just let him just ride this thing out. What do you wow. think? Um, no, I don't think they would. I, I think they should impeach him. Look, I. I made a point when I when I wrote uh, the Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, which mm-hmm. is the favorite my favorite book that I've written. But I remember doing the media for that, and um, I will make the point that every president in the last hundred years should have been impeached <laughs> yeah. because if you go by the way that it was sold, the Constitution was sold in the executive branch and the power that the Congress had over that. Well, I mean, uh, you know, every president should have been impeached. And I said that on a G. G. Gordon Liddy show, and he laughed. He said, "Yeah, that's probably true," <laughs> uh, but you know, you've got you've got um, You've got every president is breaking the law, at least the way that, again, the Constitution was sold to the states at ratification. They're doing things, they're abusing power. And that was one of the things that the founding generation pointed out as an impeachable offense. Yeah. Uh, so abuse of power is something that we should really be critical of. And I think that Biden should be impeached. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no question these this new uh, revelations. Now we have more documents, over 20 documents. And of course, if Trump is going to get impeached for this or other things, then Biden should, too. Now, letting it ride, I think that certainly there's an effort afloat to get rid of Biden. I think that's what's going on. I don't think the Democrats want him to be the nominee in 24. They want somebody else. And uh, if they could just peg this to him and maybe he decides to step down, um, maybe that, you know, their four year embarrassment would be over and they could go to someone like Newsom or Kamala Harris. But I think that's what's going on. Uh, But I think that's sort of my Republicans should do the same thing. Yeah, that's kind of my intention in saying that as well. I, I kind of think that they might try to make that, and the Republicans too, might let it ride, just let him hang himself, so to speak. How do you think, uh, you, you've said that you think that history, historians are probably going to be kind to Joe Biden. Um, you said that to me in private conversation. What, what's the process of thinking that goes into that? How, how do you think that's going to work out? A hundred years from now, they look back on Joe Biden. Well, you know, you got to remember historians are generally left to center. And um, they like power. And so mm-hmm. when you look at these historical rankings and you see who's at the top of the list, you know, usually it's Lincoln, Washington. Uh, and then you've got people like Franklin Roosevelt and uh, you know, anybody you can think of that's had wielded a tremendous amount of power, whether it's, you know, Harry Truman or, you know, go down the list. Um, you've got these presidents in these rankings that are ranked high on the list because historians are attracted to power and how they use the executive office. They don't actually go out and think, OK. Um, where could we rank these presidents based on how the Constitution was sold to the states? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when the Constitution was up for ratification, the states had extensive debates about whether this thing should be ratified or not. You had a very close vote in several states. And one of the main things that they were concerned about was executive power. And the Friends of the Constitution sold the document. Even Alexander Hamilton did this. Mm. Federalist 69 on the fact that 
the president would not have the powers of a king. Now we've got a president that has more power than George III ever wielded over the American colonies. Right. And so the, the historians who rank the presidents like that stuff. I mean, they want a president that's warmongering, that can go out and start wars at will, that can abuse power or sign executive orders with a pen and a phone. They can legislate. This is what we have. And so that's why you know historical rankings are based on this kind of perception, not a real understanding of the Constitution. And so Joe Biden's doing that exact thing. There's nothing that Biden has done in office that deviates from that particular style of leadership. You know, yeah. Obama said it when the Republicans control Congress. I have a pen and a phone. And that's what that's what Biden is doing, too. And frankly, in, in my nine presidents who screwed up America, I said, look, I mean, you can put all of the last presidents in the last 40 years together and lump and lump them all together and say this is just one long administration. We've yeah. got uh, presidents that have abused power for for uh, four decades, and um, there's nothing that we can really do about it if Americans continue to go along with this belief that the president is like an elected king. Abbeville Institute, which of course you are the president of, uh, celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. You've got an event coming up in April. Tell us about that real quick. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you're going to be there. So. I'm coming, man. I'll be there. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's we're celebrating 20 years of the institute. The institute is dedicated to exploring what's true and valuable in the Southern tradition, and uh, we've got a lot of great guests. Um, you know, Don Livingston, who originally founded it, but also Paul Gottfried. Maybe some of your listeners know about him. He's the editor of Chronicles Magazine. Uh, but uh, you know, Tom DiLorenzo read a really great book on Lincoln. Tom Fleming, um, who at one time was also uh, the editor of Chronicles Magazine. Clyde Wilson just a lot of great uh, speakers at this event, and we're going to talk about what the Southern tradition means for America in the 21st century and how we can uh, use that to uh, you know, explain uh, um, the American story and, and what that means and, and what the Southern tradition can offer as a counterweight to the modern monstrosity in Washington, D.C. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun and not just be uh, serious stuff, but uh, we'll have some music and uh, uh, some comedy on your part. So it's, it's going to be a great time. We're gonna. I'm looking forward to being there. I really am, and it's in a beautiful place right there in Georgia. And uh, we'll put the link up for that and uh, make sure folks know how to get a hold of that thing. Brian, until next time, brother. Thank you for everything, man. Um, keep on, keep on um, being provocative. I love that about you. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Take care, man. BrianMcClanahan.com. Check him out. And I want to say thanks uh, to your support. Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy. And they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with one of the big three uh, and you like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, so you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve your God-given rights and freedom. So... As you move into the new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. they got a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash chat or call them, 972-PATRIOT. They'll get you free activation today. If you use offer code CHAD, I spell it CHAD. That's patriotmobile.com slash chad. Use promo code CHAD or call them, 972-PATRIOT. Be right back. Oh boy! All right, Woo. all right. It's time for me to talk, folks. Uh, um, 
let's get it started like this. Ladies and gentlemen, for hundreds or perhaps even thousands of years, a question has plagued the minds of men and women, a mystery so deep and in impenetrable that there are whole different and contentious schools of thought on this subject. Now, theories range from the sane and mathematically sound to the L. Ron Hubbard level of crazy. That's not much good for the world of academia and science, but it's so fun to see play out on social media. The question to which I allude, of course, is how were the pyramids made? But I think in light of recent events, the question we should now be asking is, how was the food pyramid made? And while we're at it, let's ask the follow-up question, why? Folks, back in September of 2022, the White House hosted a conference on nutrition, health, and hunger in America, spearheaded by a guy named Darius Mazafarian, a man whose name sounds so much you know, like that of a Bond villain that one would expect him to be stroking a cat in his arms during the entire conference. And hey, I wasn't there, neither were you, maybe he was. Anyway, Rastafarian, or whatever his name was, unveiled a brand new food pyramid, you know, to replace the old one, which didn't exactly work either. For those of you old enough to remember JNCO genes <laughs> and the uh, carbonated crystal methamphetamine in a bottle known as Surge, you probably also remember a little thing called the food pyramid. Um starting to go the way of the dinosaur, at least in terms of public opinion. Why? Because the food pyramid had originally been designed by bureaucratic fiat in order to push the American and even global food markets in the directions they wanted. Everything from cheap corn subsidization to overhyped junk science was stuffed into a single digestible graphic that could be old school slide projected onto screens in schoolrooms all around America and the world. This is what you should eat, they proclaimed flippantly and casually dancing ever closer closer to the edge of a cliff known as diabetes and heart disease. But Chad, I can hear you saying that was then and people were stupid and ignorant and didn't have the medical expertise that we have at our fingertips now. Mark my words, if you believe this, if you believe this, in 30 years or even less, people are going to be looking back at us today and thinking the exact same thing. And you know what's funny? They'll also be both right and wrong at the same time. The new food pyramid unveiled last year at the White House literally, and I would not shit you about this, you can look it up, literally states that the cereal Lucky Charms is a healthier choice for you to eat than steak. So the flesh of an animal, something we're pretty obviously designed to eat at least some of the time, versus high fructose corn syrup, a thing that's caused more widespread misery than the first Avatar movie being successful enough for a sequel, I just can't tell you the level of nope this propels me to when it comes to responding to these people. Oh, these people. Yeah, these people. Folks, here's an idea. I'm just spitballing here, but go with me. Maybe, maybe we don't take our health advice from the freaking government. Maybe we don't allow them to set some sort of arbitrary nutritional ideal that is all but certain to be motivated by causes other than the purest distillation of current to the second medical science. Maybe, just maybe, we think a little bit for ourselves and apply the principles of moderation and then see if that doesn't do far more to make us healthy than these idiots could ever do it with their damn food pyramids. Preach. Cereal. I don't even get me started on the food pyramid. Did you see the deal on the bottom? It was ground beef. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, they had Doritos right above that. Right. Well, it's something that I kept trying to ah. tell people during the pandemic is like, you're going to take your medical advice from the same people who told you it was wise to eat like 15 servings of carbohydrates per day. Yeah. And look at the how many people are obese in America mm -hmm. right now and tell me that following the government's advice 
has done good things for your body. And and, and then you had, uh, just as a side note, Michelle Obama, who going to, you know, redo the school lunches and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And like, w- w- stop. Stop trusting the government to feed you. They're poisoning you. They want to kill all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And now I will say, I mean, the school lunches are gross, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the way she reformed it was not. Uh, no. Not the way. No. Not at all. Oh, my God. I don't trust the government at all. And what's amazing to me is the freaks on Twitter who want to defend the government. I mean, if you go, there's the re-rees out there that that just no matter what you or I say, mm-hmm. they're going to troll it. Say, oh, you're, who are going to defend big government? It's amazing to me. Mm. Those that are going to do that. That's why, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, um, he uh, he made the statement that the Twitter files, the way they've released those, Elon Musk has had yeah. those released. He said that's a good model for the January 6th tape release. 16,000 hours of tape that's out there that they've never released. The government's holding on to it. So he's saying, <gasps> why don't we release it that way? In fact, I think we got a clip. Mark, do you have that? Play it. Oh. The best way to handle this, I think, is exactly the way Elon Musk. Just put all the information out there and let people see what is truth and what is not. Mm-hmm. So the best way to do that is you release the tapes. People can know for themselves instead of picking and choosing what views they want people to see. Well, what are we going to learn? Are we going to learn that Nancy Pelosi basically allowed open air and people to come in with uh, the Capitol Police not enforcing rules? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen the tapes. I just think they should be released. The one thing I did know when Nancy Pelosi picked this committee, she picked a chairman that actually objected to President Bush being in as president. But the, pre- the chairman actually said, we can look at everything except Nancy Pelosi. We could not know what she said or to the sergeant of arms. I think all that information should come forward and let the American public understand what transpired and let them know the full truth. What did I say yesterday? I want to see him begging. I want to see him begging. I want to see him out there wallowing in the dust. I would, Nancy, too. No mercy. No quarter. I would really love to uh, give another thank you and shout out to that those 20 Freedom holdouts. Caucus. Because Kevin McCarthy has, t- tell me if I'm wrong, to my recollection, never really mm. cared much about January 6th. Right. Never really stood up and said, this is wrong. These are political prisoners. This is, I mean... I haven't heard that from him. And now all of a sudden he's insisting that all of the tapes be released. You have to wonder why that is. For me, it has to be all of these holdouts who have pushed him yeah. over to the right. Yeah. His little nuts shriveled right up. Yeah. They just made it. Whoop, just a little turn them into little raisins. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how that works. Because, yeah. no, would you would you look at uh, brand name Republicans out there right. who have spoken out in defense of people who were a part of January 6th who have been held for the last two years in a prison somewhere? We don't even know where they are mm-hmm. without any form of charge. Or Kevin McCarthy's not the name that pops up and says, you know, he's been a defender for truth here. Yeah. Let's get it out there. Now, all of a sudden. No, I love that they're like, well, are we going to see, you know, Nancy Pelosi? Are we going to see this? He's like. Oh, I don't know. I haven't actually I seen, haven't seen it. I I mean, I didn't give a oh, shit good. enough to watch it. I, great, great. I'm just saying, I think we ought to roll it out there and, <laughs> and let the chips fall where they may, but I never gave a damn. Right. Yeah. He's still Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. He he ain't he ain't some uh, cowboy riding in on the saddle in a white hat. Mm-hmm. Woo. So I, I let's let her rip. Let mm-hmm. her rip. Let's, I, you know, the, the Twitter trolls, you know, years ago, a couple years ago, I put a tweet out there talking about, I said, burn the whole 
thing mm-hmm. to the ground, right? Burn it, burn it to the ground. We already said it. And, and so people always want to say, uh, people always want to say, oh, he talking about me. They're yeah. like, you were referring to January 6th. No, I wasn't. And when you, when you post that screenshot, you keep cutting the date out. I was talking about big government. Mm. I was talking about big government. Let her rip. I say dismantle the whole thing. Let's see where the chips fall. Let the House of Cards cave in. Yep. I'm here for it. All right? And uh, nobody wants that. Republicans or Democrats alike because you've gotten so governmentally dependent. Mm-hmm. And the government's always going to be big, but we can limit it, and this is how we go about doing it. All right? Hang tight. We'll be right back. There we are. <sighs> I thought my show had finally been canceled. In the middle of the show? Right in the middle of the show. I think, I think that's the way it's going to be. Really? Yeah, like when President Wu or whatever his name in China, they just carried him out right there by Xi Jinping. Yeah. Just right there, right there televise it. We don't even have this. <laughs> He's just gone. Um, There's going to be a giant cane. And they're just going to grab you and just pull you off. Yeah. And it's going to go to color bars. I don't want to talk about this stuff. Okay. I don't want to talk about this stuff. I mean, I get so riled up. I get so fired up over all this stuff. I've noticed. That, uh, um, you know, I just, I want to be happy again. Okay. I want to be happy again. I want to keep going out on the road and making people laugh. That's what I want to do. Put asses in the seats mm-hmm. and get big crowds out there to laugh with me. Not not watch the news. I mean, are you, did you try, have you ever tried to do this whole dry January nonsense? Absolutely not. No. Why? I am not letting people dictate to me what I can and can't drink. I don't get it. I don't get it either. If you're, if you already know you're just going to go right back to drinking. Yeah. Why? I mean, I get it. You want to give your liver a break or whatever, but I think if you're going to do that, maybe just quit drinking altogether. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you have that that much of a problem. I posted that video on social media on Sunday, and here come the re-rees. They're mad at me. You're you're advocating for drinking. Yeah. (laughs) I am. I I am. If you don't want to drink or you have a problem with that, don't do it. I personally don't have a problem. (laughs) Right. I don't get drunk. I don't get stupid. I don't get mean. Right. I don't get sloppy. I don't cause fights. I don't drive. I don't right. slap people around. Yeah. I don't do any of that. I, I know how to handle myself in moderation. I also preach self-control. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to drink until <laughs> <laughs> I have that epiphany where the Lord shows up and, uh, you know, whew, it says, uh-uh. Jesus turned water into wine. He sure did. So, and everybody wants to say, "Oh, see, the, you know, wine is a mocker and is you know strong drink." And, and I know you can read that proverb, and that's talking about specifically about drunkenness mm-hmm. and functioning dr- with drunkenness. I get that, but Jesus' first miracle in John chapter two was turning water into mm-hmm. wine. People say, "Well, that was new wine." What is that? <laughs> what is that? New wine is talking about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He's like, well, that was new wine, not fermented. Oh, well, they call Jesus a, a glutton and a drunkard. I don't, I don't know anybody. I don't know. I've been around 50 years. I have never seen a person, a single person, get drunk off of grape juice. No. Nobody. No. So they accused him of being, if all they had in the first century A.D. was grape juice, then how would they know what a drunkard is? And that eliminates your whole proverb about wine is a mocker and, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. Why are they writing proverbs about stuff if it's, if it's grape juice? Tell me about that. Yep. So they did. He, it, it, Jesus not only turned the water into wine, he made it for those people to drink. 
<laughs> right? So again, I'm just saying, do all things in moderation. I don't care if you're eating Lucky Charms or what you're doing. Ugh. I don't care if you eat them damn Lucky Charms. I'm not, but I never have. I told you anything with the strose on the end of it. Yes. Dextrose, maltrose, fructose, gross, whatever gross. Well, <laughs> I'm not eating it. Red number five. Yeah, tetracyclate that. number five. Yeah. In fact. Sodium dioxide. Yeah. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 5, 23 said to Timothy, his disciple, he said, do not drink water, but instead have a little wine for your stomach. That's this not, ain't wine. That's not wine. It's <laughs> a little, yeah, that's not wine. But I don't get sick because right. I'm on a tequila protocol. <laughs> uh, it kills everything. I'm telling you, man, I went to a birthday party or some party. I don't know. When uh, the, the girl's birthday party last week, a friend of mine on kids running around. Mm-hmm. I said, give me a shot of tequila. I don't, I don't want them little germy kids on me. Little nasty asses. And you, and you didn't get sick. Mm-mm. So that's scientific data. Well, I know that. Here's the deal. I know that when I used to travel in those third world countries, I used to. You want some of this, don't you? <laughs> I, I, you ain't for, and I pass you the bottle right here. We do it. We do it. We lip it, girl. <laughs> if you want it, you got to drink it out of the bottle. If you want it. And I this know you want it. Awkward. It ain't awkward. Put it in your mouth. Put your <laughs> lips on it. See if you can smear some of that American Beauty by Sarah. You can't. Makeup. You Put can't. It, I, want, I want your lips on my bottle. <laughs> right on the. You're going to make me spit this right out. Right on the tip. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're gonna Put it in the back of your throat, Sarah, and swallow. <sighs> the, uh, we used to go to these third world countries, man. And you know what I would carry with me? Apple cider vinegar. And every time I would eat a meal, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. took a cap full of that apple cider vinegar. I would have taken Jack Daniels, but the missionaries probably wouldn't have liked it. He did leave a little lip on there. Look at there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drink from the other side because you might be nasty, too. You got little kids. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I also drink tequila. You pretty. It don't mean you clean. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so screw that dry January. I'm saturated, baby. I'm... <laughs> My teeth are floating, kid. <laughs> you're not proving anything to anyone. No. That you're not I mean, I mean if you want to do it as a, as a means of self-discipline, just to do it. I mean, it's just like fasting or whatever. Go ahead and knock yourself out. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some tequila and read them classified documents that were in Joe Biden's <laughs> garage. That's what I want to know. Get me one of the $50,000 house payments every month for a lease. Anyway, hang tight. Not done. Be right back. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. Amarillo by morning. I'm going to be there Friday night. Not morning, but uh, <laughs> yeah. 
we're gonna be in the bus the gray ghost that's why we're driving on up um so friday i gotta get up like five o'clock in the morning that's okay that's drive what you do up you're already gonna the, be up to meet the bus in fort worth oh my god i'm the boss man in the bus i gotta go to where the bus is the bus going to yeah, where all the crew is that's ill-advised i gotta do it the bus is in dallas so it's not coming to get me go get on the bus Jeez. and uh load up all seven of us and we're rolling out and uh, all the band we headed up to amarillo so that'd be about a nine hour day on the road Oof. i'm gonna crawl in that bunk go to sleep anyway we'll be refreshed by the time we get there and we'll drink some tequila with you and sing your favorite songs i got over you when you got under him yeah, yeah. my favorite song you were I binge listening to me this past weekend literally i was on my way back from austin and i kept sending screenshots because i was i had my chad <laughs> prather playlist and i was listening to it download the music but also uh even more importantly go get my audiobook am i crazy and don't forget to pick up uh chad robichaud's new book saving aziz go to savingaziz.org and get it and subscribe blazetv.com slash chad use promo code chad tomorrow's wednesday we're gonna get humpty so i love y'all god bless you we will talk to you then Bye.